Uh, welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast, episode number 194. Um, today is a solo episode, so it's going to be a bit different. I've been let down by my man, Jonathan Lewis. Unfortunately, his shift uh, patterns have fallen in, in an awkward position for us to be able to record the podcast this week, to be able to get an episode out as normal on a Monday. And me being the man of consistency, this is Brett, by the way, for those that don't know me, I cannot allow myself to not release uh, an episode. I think it's only happened maybe once or twice where we've not been able to get an episode out on a Monday. So, uh, yeah, I, I like to do my best to make sure that uh, that doesn't happen. So, What I'm not going to do, though, is waffle about a topic. I think I did one before, uh, previously, back in, well, the double digits, so quite a while ago, a number of years about caffeine, uh, just talking around the pros benefits considerations of caffeine i didn't feel like doing another single episode like that so i thought what i might do is pick up what me and johnny were going to talk about today which was a uh, listener q a or i say listener actually a facebook group q a probably gives me the ideal opportunity now to say if you're not part of that facebook group why not head over to facebook now and if you don't have a profile set one up join the group Uh, if you search no nonsense nutrition somewhere in the box i'm sure you'll find it and if you do have a f- profile already, then you can skip that first part. Let's be honest, who doesn't have a Facebook profile? There aren't many people. Let's be honest, everyone has one. So uh, anyway, so Johnny and I a few weeks ago put out a uh, post into our Facebook group just asking for some questions, a bit of a ask us anything type scenario where we just wanted to uh, get some inspiration or get some content for what we knew we're going to be putting out on on one of these episodes very soon so i thought that i would today use that as uh, the topic for me to be able to kind of waffle on to myself now i have to say that these are going to be very much answers off the top of my head so um i in that respect i have not researched rehearsed or kind of done any note taking of any sort so these answers are going to be very spontaneous uh, possibly sporadic and any other words you like to use the letters sp now i have no idea how long this is going to last but we'll basically see how long i can waffle this out for so uh i'm just going to get straight into it so uh, as i can't actually bounce any conversation off anyone unless i just speak to myself which i have been known to do but the first question for today comes from a Harry Pulther. Pulther, I think that's how you pronounce it, Pulther. And he said, would you recommend taking whey if you're just in a deficit and not actually weight training? So this is actually a funny, or a good question, I should say, rather than a funny question. A good question because it's also uh, a question or a scenario that often comes up with uh, clients. Not all of our clients weight train, not all of our clients do any form of exercise actually. In fact, it's quite surprising probably that how many clients don't do any type of uh, exercise or specifically or, or or usually weight training as such. Um, some of our clients just don't have any interest in doing that type of thing. They don't see themselves in a gym. Uh, they don't enjoy the, the, the kind of the process or even just kind of the actual just logistics of lifting weights. It's just not something they do. So quite often this kind of idea of 
well, you know, I'm not lifting weights, so therefore I don't need whey protein, um, does come up. And it is one of those funny situations because in reality, everyone should benefit from whey protein. Or should I say could benefit or can benefit potentially, depending upon obviously your current protein intake. Now, we, what we shouldn't do is cons- what what shouldn't happen really is that people shouldn't consider whey as any type of kind of special supplement or compound or a steroid or anything like that because effectively it's just food. It is something that we talked about on the podcast before, and so just to reiterate, we kind of see whey, and when we say whey, obviously we're talking about um, protein powder. So whey powder, the um, the the byproduct of making cheese effectively. So when cheese, uh, when milk is taken and churned and it's separated into curds and whey, we've all heard that nursery rhyme. The curds are taken off and used for processing cheese. Uh, the whey protein or the whey is taken away, dried and turned into a powder form, and often then used in things like supplement industry, along with other types of food manufacturing stuff. So. That is essentially all it is, hence the reason why we shouldn't be looking at it at any as any form of special compound or sports supplement that's only for people that are doing sports or only for people that are weight training, say, as an example. Because the reality is it's actually just a convenient and cheap way to get more protein into a diet, and it's something that general population, on the whole, we, most practitioners would argue that the intakes for, for these general population probably aren't up to the levels of recommendations that we would make now the government recommendations say protein are uh in the uk 0.8 grams per kilogram which for say you know an 80 kilo um, an 80 kilo male i think works out at 64 grams per day so that is quite a low intake um and I think for most people that are either trying to improve their health or certainly trying to kind of incorporate any type of weight loss strategy into their um, into their life, they should be looking at trying to increase that probably up to anywhere between the 1.4 to 2.2 grams per kilogram, or if you want to do it in old money, uh, one gram per pound of body weight. Because what you will find is one, that helps to aid muscle retention. So regardless of weight training or not, in fact, weight training itself is probably the most predominant and biggest influence on muscle retention while you're in a calorie deficit because while you're in a calorie deficit and this is this could go on into a massive tangent but effectively when you're in a calorie deficit there is uh, a potential risk of losing muscle mass because by not supplying your body enough energy aka calories to maintain its body weight it needs to then get that energy from somewhere else now ideally it would all come from fat stores the reality is that doesn't happen and that it will be a mixture of fat stores lean body mass muscle tissue etc now the proportion of uh, body fat to lean muscle will depend on kind of like the current your current status where you're starting so the heavier or the more body fat you carry it makes absolute logical sense and this bears out in the, in the literature that you will lose less muscle because there is more fat stores to attack and obviously the body is less worried about kind of losing um or it won't kind of look to, to muscle mass because when there's predominantly a lot of body fat to obviously use as fat stores to make up that calorie deficit obviously if you're leaner though there isn't that situation so there is potentially a higher risk of losing muscle because your body basically doesn't want to get to a point where it has no fat left because that is also negative for uh, longer term survival and health outcomes so one way we can help 
to maintain or retain as much muscle as possible is through weight training but obviously if you're not weight training the secondary kind of mechanism would be to have a higher protein intake because obviously that then promotes muscle protein synthesis every time we consume protein and then uh, hopefully then resulting in a uh, an, a net residual amount of protein um, re- being retained so therefore muscle mass aka so bring it back to harry's original question then yes absolutely for a lot of people we would recommend taking whey but not in the absence of uh, normal sufficient protein from whole foods i suppose the the fact of taking whey as such would more be a it's just you treat it as a convenient food to consume as you would any other so you don't have to have whey it's nothing special about it you could easily consume other uh, protein sources you might just find that it's easier more convenient um cheaper potentially if you're having a higher protein diet than spending more money per protein serving on chicken beef or you know other types of uh, protein sources that being said if you're in a calorie deficit you might find that drinking your protein as in uh you know having a whey shake which is a liquid rather than eating something that is solid might you might find it harder to adhere or stick to a calorie deficit or stick to your diet because even the act of drinking compared to the act of uh, consuming a solid doesn't have as as an, a bigger effect i guess on our satiety as as drinking so well, sorry doesn't have a bigger effect as as in eating food so what you tend to find is that liquid calories aren't particularly well recognized for want of a more scientific phrase by our bodies uh, so it is a consideration that you, you may want to avoid whey if uh, you're having is- issues kind of ap- um, managing your appetite or, or hunger regulation you might decide that actually finding a, a, a solid food that contains protein is a better source that being said uh, it is quite difficult to find a protein source as efficient in air quotes as whey because obviously whey protein has very few uh or depending on what brand or type of protein if you buy say like a protein isolate or whey isolate sorry over a concentrate it almost has no carbs uh, and almost no fat whereas you probably struggle other than the the most lean protein sources say chicken turkey cod to uh to kind of match those um macros so you might be consuming higher calories per protein per gram of protein say on a solid food choice purely for that reason if that makes sense or alternatively you could look at eat lean cheese i haven't mentioned that but that is a fantastic uh way of increasing protein way um purely because the macronutrient profile on them is as good as most powder whey proteins so that could be a consideration right moving on to the next question from jen hudson She's asked, is it possible to focus on losing weight from a certain area, say like your thighs? Um, The answer is no. You can't spot reduce or kind of like spot check uh, a specific area to reduce fat from. Unfortunately, uh, I like to use an analogy of think of your fat stores as like a swimming pool. If you try to take water out of a swimming pool from a specific, say, corner of the swimming pool, would you be able to no the water just kind of balances or levels off and you would just eventually just drain the pool that's the only way to kind of spot reduce um genetic factors hormones um i think to a certain extent a tiny bit in terms of um predominantly where where body fat is stored might also include kind of like muscle mass or kind of like muscle composition but obviously that that kind of aligns with genetics and even hormones to a certain extent as well they're kind of all interlinked so um you can't really say or let you know you can't 
uh, do ab crunches to kind of target the stomach to try and reduce body fat. And if anything, if you're trying to make your waist smaller, um, doing a billion ab crunches a day that might actually thick, thicken those muscles and make them larger. So therefore your waist becomes larger, even if it does end, end up, even if you could make it leaner, I should say. Um, so yeah, trying to focus on it is a bit futile really. And I think you're way, way better off just kind of trying to focus on a consistent dietary strategy, uh, allowing you to basically reduce fat stores as much as you possibly can until that that point is the area that then starts to reduce there's not really much more you can do the alternative really is to just grow or come to terms with it i think that's what i think most people tend to have the most success with and i will say i've had my areas where uh i kind of or particular body parts where i'm not comfortable with because i tend to hold fat stores say around my hips my love handles um basically like my middle third around my ass and legs um which over over the years has been an issue for me from a confidence and uh, an almost body acceptance perspective but that hasn't ever changed like i've not got lean and suddenly felt better about it so i think if anything i've just come to terms with that you kind of have to accept your god-given cards um and to a certain extent and i think this aligns with the post that i put out this week on my instagram go check it out if you haven't it's a picture of me shirtless on a beach or on a jetty uh in mauritius so you know you might want to go look at it <laughs> um it does align with some of the the, the content and the caption that i put there around you everyone's self-conscious or conscious about how they look uh spe- you often as well are specific body parts or or you know specific parts of our bodies uh the we consider ourselves as and this is the analogy i used in my post we consider ourselves the a-list in our own movie almost in that if if someone was filming us we would be that superstar walking down the street where everything's focusing on us and you know everyone else is kind of these blurs in the background what we don't seem to realize though is that in everyone else is also the star in their own movie and you're just that blur in their background so once you realize that actually no one gives two hoots around or how you look or your specific body that type of stuff you can almost put stuff into perspective and gain a whole new load of confidence to think that actually you're the only person that cares so if you can control that you're if you're the only person that cares and then therefore you have total control of that that does allow you to then kind of have a certain level of acceptance it, it may not be mean that you inevitably end up being happy or really positive about specific things like you know i could talk about my love handles it's not something that i particularly say oh you know i'm cured and i absolutely love them and i do all them the best things ever but i have grown to a point where i realize that they are not necessarily a negative negative thing and i just accept accept that it's a part of who i am and it's just me almost Uh, sounds a bit hippy dippy i know but i think a lot of people that go in their fitness journey will start to realize or understand what i mean when they say that um, over time it just takes time and experience kind of working on things and acknowledging things um yeah so next question bob hames hames uh let's go hames um bob hames what's your opinion on push pull workouts for muscle growth any advantages um my opinion on this is, is fine. I think it tends to be the way a lot of people do their training. Um, there's not really any specific advantages. I think when you start to look at training free, or styles or frequencies, so frequencies is where that would fall under kind of like push-pull. So you do, a, a for people that don't know, a push workout where obviously you're doing all kind of pushing movements and a pull workout where you're doing pulling movements. So you push typically chest, shoulders, um, 
you know you could start throwing in kind of quads in the legs uh pull movements being your your kind of like your your posterior your back uh triceps uh, not triceps uh biceps um uh, and then kind of your your hamstrings and, and that type of exercise i mean obviously there's a billion ways you can set that up but that tends to be kind of like your push pull and you might do a push pull push one day pull the next day off push pull day off that type of thing and that might be how you set up your your training frequency i think it's probably more popular for people to do a push pull and then a then a leg so to separate legs from either push or pull so you kind of do like a push pull legs day off push pull legs type thing or you might do push pull day off legs push day off pull and and not split your training over a specific week and maybe over an eight day or a 10 day or whatever frequency you end up might doing it because you know you don't have to train monday to sunday and then repeat a seven day period you know you can start to spread that over longer days which not a lot of people actually do which is you know kind of one of the funny things in the same way no one does a 13 rep set you know you don't program all oh, right you need to go out and do 13 reps um, it's always a eight to ten you know it's never a seven to thirteen weird and I think on that, that's the fundamentally the, I suppose the the commentary or the opinion I would give on on kind of even any question along the lines of any specific advantages to frequency. Um, we need to realise that these are training methods and that these methods should just follow principles. So there are many of these types of methods. So the frequency doesn't really matter because it's, the frequency is is really more a way of like spreading out your volume across a period. So you don't need to worry about whether I'm doing a push pull. Uh, workouts necessarily is more around kind of like okay how many times can you train like what volume do you need to do over a period to elicit um, kind of some adaptation whether that's maximal minimal whatever if you follow the, the Israel model or you follow a different model where anyway I don't need to get into that but essentially it is just a, a method of, of um, allocating that free that uh, sorry allocating that volume out over a, a given frequency so that's the way I would think about it and does that then suit things like your preference your ability to recover that type of stuff and once you kind of then start to think about it, the all these methods you can then get to that point of of and how do they then meet the principle of scientific training next question from Jenny Mill what do you think of home workouts and are they useful really good question obviously given the lockdown um I do think they're useful I think it relates a little bit to what I said a moment ago around home training is just another method so the principles are still the same with whatever environment you're training in whether that is at home whether it's in a gym obviously you've got different levels of equipment and different um yeah equipment availability etc but the overarching or overriding principles for scientific training are still the same so that is still providing enough stimulus to promote adaptation still applying progressive overload um and still managing recovery and fatigue etc so whether you're doing that in a gym or at home none of that actually changes you can still you can still i mean look at the literature you can still promote um, a hypertrophic response um by even uh loads as low as 30 percent of 1rm so that we know you clearly obviously have to go to a far higher rep range and, and obviously then therefore cause um and that's motor recruitment um by pushing up the rep range to, to probably quite high levels maybe levels that people are uncomfortable with or get bored with but still you can still do it so with that with that in mind you should still be trying to follow these same principles um just change your method to kind of home training so therefore we kind of have to say that it is still as good as training in the gym um 
now there might be other considerations like i say in terms of boredom or um can you can you replicate a a well-rounded training plan with the equipment you have at home obviously that's going to be just so different on an individual basis um but you know very even with quite minimal equipment you can get a quite well-rounded training program in so um i think for for home training people tend to struggle the most with things like back exercises because uh, unless you've got a pull-up bar um it's a bit more difficult to kind of then kind of do pulling exercises uh but otherwise yeah i do think you can get a more than sufficient um training plan or workout in at home and still get predominantly as good now obviously if you're strength training i should so i should have probably separated or or, or no no notify the difference between hypertrophy and strength training obviously if you're strength training compared to training for muscle gain is a bit different because you for strength training you're going to need access to heavier things to lift so it might not be quite as easy as home if you don't have like a home gym etc um but assuming we're talking mostly around kind of aesthetics body composition and just muscle gain then yes i still think it's totally fine to work out from home albeit i know everyone would love to or way prefer to be in a gym next question is from joe ward what can you do or if anything if you're in a calorie deficit but still hungry at the end of the day um i think I mean, obviously, there's some lower calorie foods that you could consider. You could, uh, so you could just basically go over your calories, but consider um, minimal damage in terms of trying to then at least maybe trying to maintain or manage that hunger. Um, so snack on some some low calorie fruits, vegetables, that type of thing. Um, or you could borrow calories from another day if you're into kind of the flexible dieting approach. Um, yeah, or. <sighs> Um, I mean, there is always going to be a certain level of hunger expected in a diet because by definition, you are starving your body of its sufficient energy needs. So um, by not giving enough energy, you're going to promote an adaptation response where it includes trying to get you to eat more. It's going to try and increase increase hunger because it doesn't want you to basically starve to death. So I think there is an element that you do have to accept there are levels of hunger. Um, but obviously, if it gets too drastic or so bad that you really can't cope... Um, you probably have to maybe consider is there anything you could do to stop yourself being so hungry at the end of the day as in assess maybe what the rest of your nutrition protocol or strategy looks like and whether there's anything you could do at earlier points in the day to uh, increase food volume or meal timing or implement any type of fasting strategy to shorten the, the window of eating, eating so it then seems um like you are uh, effectively eating more calories than you than you really are because obviously you've shortened that window so the perception of, of calories consumed is higher um that generally works best for people skipping in the morning to allow themselves to then eat a few more calories at night time um but outside of that i don't think there's too much more you can do just you know some of the things that we talk about sufficient protein and fiber whole foods food volume hydration and then just, I suppose, just being mindful about during the day. All of those things might just help generally manage hunger, but not not necessarily kind of this um, idea that, you know, you've already consumed all of your, your, I mean, I'm assuming by saying if you're still hungry today, but if you're in a calorie deficit, you're implementing some sort of flexible diet strategy. Now I've read that back, maybe you're not. Either way, I guess, like you know, just snacking on lower calorie foods might just be a, a better option to try and still help manage those hunger um yeah sophia ch asks what is the best exercise to drop bmi uh well 
I think you know the answer. There is no best exercise. Uh, it's all going to be down to your nutrition because you just need to be in a calorie deficit. Trying to focus on exercise to uh, create a calorie deficit is a bit futile. Perhaps go back and listen to the episode we did with Roy around cardio for fat loss and is it a good idea or not because uh, we talked through a lot of the issues you often find with people that focus on exercise for weight loss so um, rather than me go through it all again maybe go back and listen to that but basically I would say forget worrying about the best exercises to drop BMI or drop body weight uh, and instead focus on your nutrition because once you start to control calories and build in some habits and behaviors that allow you to find it a bit easier to adhere to a, a moderate you know a more moderated I should say calorie intake that will probably help rather than worrying about trying to outrun a bad diet. And a question from Jennifer Hudson. Is that the Jennifer Hudson? Mm, who knows? Uh, do you weigh yourself every day? Yes, I do. Uh, and I suppose I can expand that question to would I recommend other people weigh themselves every day? Uh, well, the, the literature out there shows a, um, a positive correlation for uh weight or, or longer term weight success and people that weigh themselves more than four times a week i think was the the benchmark number set so basically if you it shows that a positive correlation means a good thing so um that being said i do think it's quite highly individualized i think if you're the type of individual that gets anxious about seeing a number on a scale and effectively then relating that to the positive or negative aspects um I think that can be, and I use both positive and negative because obviously you get people that over celebrate what they deem as positive results. So if, you know, if we're talking in the in the realms of weight loss, someone might see a, a large drop on the scale one day and really feel like, man, this is amazing, the best thing ever. I'm losing loads of weight, and then when they then see what they might deem as a negative uh, change, so they might have a higher sodium meal or a bit more fiber that day, or just generally some some water retention because of you know it could be information from exercise, it could be anything. Uh, that then results in them feeling kind of more negative about it than they would have been had they not have over-celebrated that positive aspect. That's something that you do quite often see. So, um, yeah, I think, or if you obviously suffer from any form of eating disorder, disordered eating, that type of stuff, or just really any negative connotations with scale weight, then perhaps weighing yourself regularly or every day is not a good thing. But I think for the most part, some form of self-monitoring over time, whether that is scale weight or, you know, you can use other methods, the girth measurements, progress pictures, the way your clothes fit, that type of stuff is a good thing because I think it then allows people to make changes if they need or kind of just kind of slowly tidy up or clean up their diet should they need to. But I think uh, if you are going to weigh yourself, then yes, I think generally every day or regularly, so that four times or more per week, is probably better just because we know that um, acute scale weight is very arbitrary because of transient water and stuff like that. So and it's mostly water or carbohydrate or glycogen storage, but that, that can change quite regularly day to day, which we obviously don't care about that when it comes to our body composition because all we really care about is fat loss um, or fat gain, I should say, for the most part when people are losing weight. So the these kind of acute changes at day to day that end up being muscle or glycogen aren't really what we're worried about or looking for but all we we don't know that that they are just acute all we see is the number on the scales change so that can often be a bit of a head fuck or a problem for people so um the easiest way to tackle that is to kind of take average data over a longer period of time so you know four plus times per week maybe then take an average for the week or even average for the month especially if you're female because of 
the way water retention can happen through certain um, cycles of your period say so yeah that can be difficult then to compare even week to week for a female uh, so yeah I, I do recommend people weigh more regularly purely because um, it does give us more data to play with uh, and obviously smooths out those averages and allows us to kind of take it into the, the context of what we should do in terms of uh, more chronic fat loss rather than more acute um, water loss or water gain, that type of stuff. And you'd be pleased to know, last question from Nikki Watson. So does not eating slow your metabolism? Um, well, the, the, the factual answer is yes, it does. Uh, not eating does slow your metabolism because your metabolism, metabolism is built up by many, or built up, made up of many compartments. One of those uh, compartments is your BMR, your basal metabolic rate, which is effectively um, the calories or energy required for your body to stay alive, so your organs to work, your brain to work, which is obviously an organ, but you know what I mean. Um, all of those types of things, basically to maintain your life. The other compartments are your uh, physical activity, so your exercise or, or ET, exercise energy thermogenesis. I've got to try and remember these off the top of my head now. Um, or uh, another part would be your uh, NEAT, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So that's the energy or calories you use when you're just kind of the unknowing activity. So it's things that aren't necessarily attributed to specific exercise, so fidgeting, just general moving around. Um, I suppose there's arguments around whether, oh, if I walk to shop, is that not exercise? In the grand scheme of things, doesn't really matter um, because it all it all kind of adds up to your overall energy expenditure. But the other part of the or the other compartment of your metabolism is also your uh, dietary induced thermogenesis, or sometimes referred to as TEF, so your thermic effect of food, which is the amount of energy or calories used to digest that said food. So if you're not eating anything or you're eating less, that compartment will lower dramatically because obviously uh, th there is there either is none or it's a lot less than usual, as in does not eating slow your metabolism. So that's that's obviously the scientific reason of yes, it does. Um, there's also some other things. There's a, there's uh, what is deemed or known as metabolic adaptation. So um, when you do, when you basically go in a, into a calorie deficit or you starve yourself or whatever uh, terminology you want to use. Um, you will find there'll be some certain mechanisms your body will do over a period of time. And everyone's is different in terms of the levels of me metabolic adaptation that they do. But it will start to reduce things like the amount of heat your body uses, the efficiency of your um, mitochondria. This is going to get really scientific. But basically, the uh, amount of energy you burn, or the amount of calories you burn, I should say, um, in just general processes part of your bmr your exercise all that type of stuff might slightly reduce or adapt down because your body doesn't want you to starve it, it wants to obviously preserve if it feels like it's at threat of starvation it will slowly adapt things down to effectively try and save calories so that you don't die now the biggest problem is, is that is quite often overplayed to how dramatic that is so i'm not talking here about starvation mode in air quotes there is no such thing as not eating enough calories to lose weight which obviously you will hear a lot of people say that oh you need to increase your calories because effectively you've gone into starvation mode you're not eating enough calories to lose weight 
no. Basically, if that if you think that's the case, what it probably means is that you're trying to restrict yourself so hard that you're not adhering to your diet and you're binging at some point. Therefore, you're averaging not a calorie deficit over a period of time. That's probably more likely than your calories or your body has adapt- adapted so low that you're now maintaining on a very, very few calories. Because by the time that would ever happen, you would already be in Treadsville. So you don't need to worry about that. Um, but that being said, obviously everyone's metabolisms do adapt over period, long periods of time, sometimes bringing calories up to kind of almost try and reverse some of those adaptations over time might be helpful. Um, that being said, that practice or protocol of bringing calories back up again to say maintenance to try and help reverse them might just be a psychological thing and it just allows people to get back to adhering when maybe they weren't adhering before. Um, but even the research I've seen out there on say metabolic adaptation where maybe someone's um, energy expenditure is less than what you might usually predict for someone for some for their like height weight age activity levels etc um, still roughly maximal five ten percent of what you might expect so if someone would you would expect usually to burn 2,000 calories a day theirs might have only adapted adapted down to 1900 or 1800 so this is why I say the the kind of the premise or idea of starvation mode is so overplayed overhyped um that yeah we're not talking that someone's calories are suddenly going to drop down to 500 say if you're eating 500 calories and you're not losing weight you're not fucking eating 500 calories i'm sorry that's what it comes down to the reality really is that your metabolism might have adapted a tiny bit ever so slightly it's probably also more likely that obviously there's reduced um dietary induced thermogenesis or thermic effect of food or aka you're you're not losing as many calories as you were in digestion because you're eating a bit less your neat might be of adapted and that's probably the biggest compartment what adapts the most that that kind of uh i think neat they is attributed to roughly 10 to 20 to 30 percent of someone's energy expenditure so obviously if it adapts from 30 down to 10 or less that's that could be a, cons- a significant amount of calories because they're just people that are not moving as much you're not fidgeting as much you're not as energetic in the way you speak or you're not as animated that type of thing because that is all using energy one way to combat that is maybe use a step tracker i find that they're quite good because obviously where you can't account for this involuntary twitching involuntary um like animation or just general level of enthusiasm or or kind of just energy you can monitor and um account for steps so um where you diet and you get a bit lazy because you don't want to get up and get the tv remote or you start taking the 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 lift instead of the stairs unknowingly that type of stuff you can look at a tracker on your watch and realize that you do less steps than normal so that is one way of kind of accounting for what might be a slowing of your metabolism aka your moving less so that's something to, to consider as well um, but outside of that, there's not much more you can really do. Obviously, if you need to just keep your, your training sessions, your exercise sessions up. Um, yeah. So I guess this is going to be a relatively short episode. So you'll be pleased to know. Um, I don't have Johnny, as I said, to uh, to bounce anything off. So I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed my answers. Um, as I say, apologies if they weren't really scientific or if they weren't kind of really well thought or laid out because um yeah i really genuinely have just kind of given them answers off the cuff and it isn't easy talking to yourself in a microphone i'm not going to lie it's quite a difficult thing to do uh hope uh, you enjoyed it please share with uh, your network your listeners 
we really 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 appreciate those that do share them it's the only way that we can try to help this podcast grow so we really really would love to uh, for people to kind of share if you do share on things like instagram or facebook please tag us in so we can thank you personally because otherwise we won't know that you've shared them um, and obviously if you have not left a review please uh, review rate subscribe all those things on either itunes spotify or any of the major podcast providers last thing to mention uh if you want a discount on the podcast sponsor eat lean cheese then or any of the eat lean products because they don't just do cheese um head over to uh, eatlean.com and you can use the code nnn10 and get yourself 10 percent off um or if you want to you can actually also get some very very good but also very very well priced protein bars and pre-workout over at teamwarrior.com using the code wsnnn nnn so that's triple n 27 to get 27 percent off the bars i will say are fantastic very good protein bars um very much like phd but i would say the flavors are better and i'm not being biased i swear just try them out come back to me and tell me i'm wrong um but that also gets the price to roughly about a pound a bar so you really cannot go wrong there so um take up those offers uh that leaves me to say au revoir thank you for listening and uh, we will see you again soon thank you for listening to the nnn podcast if you enjoyed the show please help us by rating on your podcast provider sharing with your networks so we can get our content out to more people see you next week Thank you.